the state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at an historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laugh as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. We have a, uh, well, we don't need to make a a huge, huge thing about it, but we are back on the horse theme-wise. We're we're doing it, Noel. We're finally finally getting to the point where we're going to make an episode for every state in the U.S. We're back on our Sufjan Stevens bull-ish, right? That's right. That's we, right. We made pro- promises were made, Ben. Promises were made and uh, overpromised and underdelivered, a la our, our buddy Sufjan. And now we're picking back up. We're picking back up the lasso. That's a <laughs> thing they use in Wyoming. But, and we're even going to do this as a uh, as an intentional two parter. It could even become an intentional four part, an unintentional four parter, or, or a three parter. We don't know. Um, but for the moment, we're going to start talking about tales of Wyoming, the ignoble death of Big Nose George, which is a great name for a uh, what do you call that? A cowpoke, a, a, a bronco buster, mm-hmm. a range outlaw. outlaw. Yeah, you go. Uh, yeah, or a Coen Brothers film, or maybe an oh, excerpt if they ever, if they ever do a, a sequel to that. What was that last thing they did on Netflix? The Ballad of Buster really Scruggs. Ballad That's of Buster Scruggs. Wonderful. That was wonderful. Fantastic. Little uh, what do you call those? An anthology with all the different mm-hmm. ones. Tom Waits played a old prospector, mm-hmm. better than Will Ferrell ever could have hoped to do. But yeah, <laughs> George. Uh, Big Nose George, a.k.a. George Perot, a.k.a. George Warden, a.k.a. George Magnus, sorry, Manus, uh, a.k.a. Big Break George, uh, and finally, our favorite and the the title character of this episode, Big Nose George. That is Super Producer Casey Pegram approved. Oh, look, yes. folks, uh, this guy's life is interesting. He is an outlaw from the 1800s, uh, but... You know, you live by the gun, you die by the gun. Maybe the most interesting part of this story is, sadly enough, his demise. Because you see, spoiler alert, George right now is uh, spending his post-life existence in 
multiple ways as a flower pot, an ashtray, a pair of shoes, a science experiment. This is actually true. Yeah. This is not what he saw coming, though. His main focus. No. His main focus was stuff like uh, what you would loosely call frontier crimes, like Wyoming history on uh, WYOhistory.org describes him as a known horse thief, even though he, he got acquitted. He was one of those people living at the not just the edge of the, the civilized world, as they saw it at the time, but at the edge of the legal world. Like people would know that this guy was stealing horses even if the charges didn't stick. He strikes me as the kind of person who, like, if Big Nose George walked into, I don't know, the wrong bar or something, there would totally be that movie moment where someone goes, well, 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 old Big Beak George, you got a lot of nerve coming in here, showing your face around here. Sticking your beak in here. I wonder if they really did have a big nose and like maybe like, you know, the saloon doors swing both ways. Probably like would lead with the big nose, and that's what would uh, open those saloon doors. And I'm sure our our boy George frequented saloons from time to time, but he spent most of his time holing up in uh, a very frontiery kind of unsettled area uh, west of what today would be called Casey, Wyoming. And he kept company with a gang led by a man named Sim Jan, and he and his band of uh, merry outlaws were active in the Powder River area of Wyoming. They robbed uh, stagecoaches of, of cash shipments. You know, like they had like, the you know, Wells Fargo was, was initially a, a stagecoach company because they would uh, ship uh, money uh, to and from their bank locations. Or I believe they were a courier service and then became a bank. But that was a very popular target for robberies. It's almost cliche. And then, of course, just if there were just passengers on the stagecoaches, they would be like, yeah, all you Put your money in this bag and their jewels and all that. Mm-hmm. Other members of the gang included Frank McKinney, uh, Joe Manus. Again, that was one of his AKAs. Jack Campbell, John Wells, Tom Reed, Frank Toll, and Dutch, Charlie Burris. Yeah, Dutch is, uh, because of Red Dead, Dutch is one of my favorite outlaw names totally. right now. But uh, but yeah, I, I do have to say, Sim John sounds like a Star Wars name. I'm surprised George Lucas hadn't hadn't got to that when they were talking about totally. the, uh, the leader. So his nose reference, the themes of referring to this guy by his nose. It's true, his surname is Perot or or Parrot. Some people probably called him as well. Historians believe his nickname was maybe a reference to his large nose, which was by multiple sources described as beak-like, or maybe it was a play on his surname. Either way, he definitely had a rep for stealing from stagecoach travelers. And then eventually he escalated to train robberies, which are, you know, I I think in the stereotypes of the Wild West, train robberies are one of the most iconic uh, tropes. So let's talk about one of these train robberies. Just for an example, August 16th, 1878, Big Nose and his gang, along with Dutch, they planned a theft from the Union Pacific Railroad. They had a pay car located near Como, Wyoming, east of Medicine Bow. At the time, these things were kind of predictable because the railroad, this company in particular, would carry cash via this pay car on a monthly run to pay all of its employees across their network. So 
here's what the bandits did. They go to the tracks before the car arrives and they loosen a spike in the rails. They wrap it with telegraph wire and then they hide in the nearby brush. And their plan is like, look, we probably don't have to overthink this. We're just going to hide in the bushes like spy versus spy style. If you remember that cartoon. And then as the train rolls by, we're going to pull that spike And that's going to dislodge the rails. That's going to cause the train to go off the tracks. Boom, we take the money. And that's, you know, insert X gold pieces of peace, boys, or something like that. We don't know if it was gold pieces. But unfortunately, railroad company employees were, you know, doing their job. So they spotted that suspicious spike and they actually fixed the damage and then alerted the law. The train never even got there uh, in time for their, their little. Wiley Coyote scheme to work. Exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking, Ben. Uh, so they had to flee. They had to, to, to lamb it up to Rattlesnake Canyon. Oh, just the most uh, Western sounding is all this stuff is so fantastic. Uh, at the base of Elk Mountain, that uh, was 25 miles to the southwest of where the crime was to have been committed. Uh, the uh, sheriff of Carbon County uh, is deputy, uh, Robert Widowfield, and a detective employed by the Union Pacific Railroad Company tracked them there, a guy named Henry Tip Vincent. So when their two uh, pursuers um, representing the law, the swift hand of justice, came on their little camp, their uh, bandit camp, the gang actually uh, had the drop on them and shot them and then buried their bodies uh, near where they had you know, pitched their camp. Uh, and then they took off again to Montana. Perot maintained his freedom for a couple of years after that, but things were to take a turn uh, in the pretty near future. Yeah, so even though George and some of his compatriots are able to elude the law, living as they do on the kind of the edge of U.S. civilization at this point, not everybody gets away. Dutch is caught, uh, historians believe, as early as 1879. And people were pretty upset that these folks in law enforcement were murdered. So there was a lot of tension in southern Wyoming. Yeah, it's a big deal. And, and these days, you know, those types of folks would be branded as cop killers and be pursued even more aggressively. Which makes it even more dangerous for the criminals, maybe not in the way you would expect, because now we're looking at the possibility of mob justice. On January 23rd, Dutch is being transported by train from Laramie to Rollins. His train stops for uh, refuel of coal and water at a place called Carbon. And while the train is stopped, a mob hops on board. They physically drag Dutch off and they hang him from a telegraph pole. They also don't say, you know what? When he's dead, they're looking at the body. They say, this guy is not worthy of being buried in the cemetery because that's where Deputy Widowfield has been laying to rest. So mm-hmm. we're putting him in an unmarked grave somewhere in the brush outside the cemetery boundaries. And that is historically a huge, huge insult that like, right. is far older than the U.S. Ironic, they buried him in the very sagebrush which she was hiding to get the drop on that train. Not the exact, you know, bush, but similar. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, at this point, George 
is still lambing it in Montana after those murders and that uh, robbery gone bad. He single-handedly robbed a military convoy uh, where some local merchants were traveling east with a stockpile of cash, uh, and he was successful. But it was to his ultimate downfall because he got really cocky and therefore pretty sloppy, and he felt like he was untouchable. So he returned back to the town where the merchant was from and went into a saloon, presumably leading with that uh, beak-like nose of his, and he started just talking trash, uh, bragging about the robbery, about the murders even. I mean, good Lord, man. He, he is not following the cardinal rules of being on the lam. Um, you keep your mouth shut and keep your head down. Uh, at least that's that's my understanding from like watching The Sopranos. Mm-hmm. But someone, of course, recognizes the guy. Hey, this is big news, you know? Uh, and wires the Carbon County Sheriff's Department, specifically the sheriff himself, James Rankin, who uh, hightails it for Montana uh, in July of 1880. Yeah, so that's that's the thing. And, you know, folks, I'm probably not alone in, in wondering this, but have you ever seen true crime shows or accounts of how an outlaw gets caught? And there's always that moment where they're like, and then the murderer was at the local Applebee's where he right. talked about how he had murdered that person and spat on their dog as well on the way out. I think I, I'm always mystified how that happens. And I have to assume... Like some of those people want to get caught. Big nose George did not. But is it unfair to assume that there's alcohol involved? Uh-huh. That's what it has to be. Yeah, I was I was about to say if if it's a, a, a an old timey Western saloon or Applebee's, the old timey Western saloon of modern day, uh, I would say definitely some some drinks were involved. That's what happened. And loose lips uh, do, in fact, sink ships. And they certainly sunk Big Nose George uh, because he was taken in and he was rounded up. The uh, sheriff, James Rankin, found him and two other members of the gang who had escaped. uh, And he escorted them back first to Laramie and then rode with them on a train headed to Rollins. With the gun on him the whole time saying, you're not going to get away that easy. Uh, and also, I would propose that we say loose lips lasso ships. Indeed. The Indeed jokes they do. Not worth it. But no pun left behind. Uh, no joke left behind either. Uh, it's always so, worth it, Ben. <laughs> thanks, Noel. So after they've returned George to Wyoming, there is a mob waiting for him. Rankin was right when he assumed there would be a lynch mob waiting. Uh, and they were going to lynch the guy right off the train, according to some folks quoted in Atlas Obscura, and I don't want to give you the name of the article just yet because it spoils one of the weirdest, most grisly parts of the story. So historians conjecture there must have been something at least, I think the way they say it is fairly charismatic about this guy because George was able to convince the lynch mob, let me go to trial. Don't hang me from the telegraph pole. Let me, let me have that day in court. Totally. I mean, he definitely was able to out-talk his uh, partner, Dutch, who had no such luck. So on September 13th of 1880, Big Nose George was put to trial, arraigned in Rollins, and uh, he was represented by a lawyer, a gentleman named George Francis Warden, who uh, was unsuccessful in his defense Mm -hmm. of Big Nose George, who was sentenced to hang by the neck until dead on uh, April 2nd, 1881. 
Oh man, there's a uh, there's a two galant song that is definitely not about this. It's called Las Cruces Jail, but it has that same vibe the night before the execution kind of thing. Or, you know, somebody sitting in jail thinking about their impending mortality. Big George isn't having it. Remember, this is what they would call the Wild West. Ten days before his execution takes place, he tries to escape, which is a time-honored hobby of many outlaws of this era. Sure. Yeah, he had gotten a hold of a pocket knife and he had used that to saw through the rivets on the leg shackles that bound him. And then he snuck up on Robert Rankin and knocked the guy in the head with the leg shackles. Rankin's wife came in mid-jailbreak and she managed to slam the outside door closed. And then she fired her husband's gun in the air and people from the town came running for help word of this attempted, this abortive escape spreads really quickly, right? And what happens? Another mob forms. And they're saying, dad, burn it, dad, gum it. That man had no intention of going forward with his execution. He's lying to us the way that he's trying to lie to that judge. So they dragged him in the street. Again. Yeah, mob justice. Uh, it's it's a thing. Uh, I'm, I got I got to say though, I'm I'm sort of proud of George for for showing a little restraint, and not just like slitting the guy's throat with the pocket knife. He just gave him a good knock over the head, and and kudos to to the gentleman's wife for for taking the situation in hand, because uh, otherwise George probably would have you know been on the lam again. So that's right. The lynch party put him up onto a box and looped the noose around his neck and the other end over a telegraph pole and instructed him to jump. Um, but, you know, in the uh, in the interest of his own self-preservation, he refused. So they kicked the box out from under him. That's how a proper hanging is supposed to work anyway. Um, and the rope actually broke, if I'm not mistaken. So they tried to rinse and repeat, grabbed him, put a ladder against the pole, forced him up and strung him up again, and then yanked the ladder away. Um, But this didn't go as planned either, did it? Right. This part is, you know, if you can set your humanity and empathy aside, this part is pretty hilarious from a pratfall kind of physical comedy aspect. Slapstick is the word I'm looking for. So they try to hang him again. The rope is too short so it doesn't break Perro's neck. It leaves him to, he's left strangling, slowly asphyxiating on the line, but he didn't, they were in a rush. They didn't do the best job binding his hands, so he's able to free them, and he's like shimmying up the pole, lasso still around his neck, out of reach of the mob. Picture the Benny Hill music playing, and the witnesses are saying, This was not super pleasant, funny British comedy. Instead, he was loudly begging for someone in the mob to shoot him, to take his life. Again, this didn't work. He eventually fell off of the pole, and he was strung up a third time in a hurry, and he was violently strangling again. They didn't manage to break his neck, which is what you're supposed to do when you hang people. There's the whole science of the placement of the knot and their their calculations. So he strangles and he dies of asphyxiation by the time they had brought him down. And this is so messed up. The rope had actually rubbed his ears off during the uh, during the execution. This is a very nasty way to go. Yeah. No joke. Woof. Yeah, rubbed his... Ugh, that's like the most gnarly rope burn one could ever imagine. Uh, ears rubbed clean off. But that wasn't the, the end of the story. 
tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts of a spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right, Noel. It's, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Death was not the end of the indignities that uh, Big Nose George, uh, aside from his nickname, uh, would suffer. Um, after he died, uh, nobody claimed his body. Um, so, uh, as as was uh, the uh, procedure, his body was brought to the coroner's office. But it didn't stick around there for very long because it was taken, absconded with, under cover of night by uh, a pair of physicians by the names of John Osborne and Thomas McGee who wanted to experiment on Perot's dead body Ooh. and find the source of his criminality. Uh, th this is according to the Atlas Obscura article as well, um, and, and and many other sources. Mm -hmm. Yeah, poking around in there. This, this is the yeah, early days of science, very rudimentary. Uh, they 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 were thinking they were doing God's work, I suppose, right? Well, there's you know there, there's a lot of there's a lot of speculation at the time around what we can predict about a person's behavior based on their physical makeup. So this is a time when people would have thought about phrenology, right? Phrenology being the discredited pseudoscience saying that certain bumps 
or certain perceived abnormalities in skull shape may be indicative of positive or negative cognitive traits. This is also bound up in a lot of racism. So doubtlessly, they're looking to see if he has, the surgeon, Thomas McGee, is looking to uh, see Perot's the lobes of his brain to see if there's something that he thinks is bigger that's a, a, indicative of like greed or avarice or, or covetousness or whatever. That's right. That's right. And in order to do that, in order to get at said brain, he saws the top of uh, George's head off, pops the brain out, or actually he doesn't do it. His friend, the uh, physician, John Osborne, does it, saws the top of the head off, pops the brain out, and gives it to his friend, Thomas McGee, the surgeon. And he, you know, does his business. So the top portion of Big Nose George's skull uh, is given to a 15-year-old girl named Lillian Heath, who served as McGee's, like, surgery assistant uh, and went on to become Wyoming's first woman physician, which I think is pretty awesome. Uh, but what a weird, like, uh, disturbing thing to to, to mm-hmm. give a 15-year-old. Uh, but well, she, she also seem to mind. She also didn't become physician just because of that. No, right. clearly she, not. She I mean, had a clear medical career. Absolutely. A clear medical career and a clear path and, and uh, was was privy to a lot of weird frontier uh, medical procedures like this, I imagine, because she didn't seem to bat an eyelash at it. Supposedly, she kept it for her entire life and used it interchangeably as an ashtray, a flower pot, and even a doorstop. Because, mm-hmm. you know, there's going to be a little heft to the top portion of a, of a human skull. But what happened to the rest of the body, you're asking? Well, this is where... Perot encounters a posthumous career that could be comparable to the posthumous career of saints. Different parts of his body go to different places. I want to warn everybody, if you're a little more delicate of disposition, this may be a bit grisly. So the bottom portion of Perot's skull is tossed in a whiskey barrel with the rest of his bones and his body. It's there for about a year while these two men continue their experiments. At one point, we know that Osborne sent some body parts to a tannery and then commissioned, get this, not just a pair of shoes, but a medical bag and even a coin purse made out of Perot's skin. Osborne is very specific about this. And he said, I instructed the shoemaker to keep nipples on the skin to prove that the skin was that of a human, but he did not follow my instructions. Uh, No word on if there was a refund or discount in in that regard. Still, historians do not know what Osborne's true motive may have been for making these grisly kind of keepsakes because... At the time, the world of medicine didn't look at human remains as, you know, incredibly symbolically significant or something. They were material you could use in the process of education and learning. Once the doctors were done, they had made the shoes, the coin purse, the bag, the flower pot, the ashtray, etc. They buried the barrel with the rest of his remains. And that's where his story starts to fade into legend until a political career brings the shoes back to prominence. That's right. Despite this doctor being seemingly a bit of a psychopath, uh, or at the very least, uh, an odd character, he uh, became a very popular political candidate. And in 1892, was elected to become the first Democratic governor of the great state of Wyoming. 
and was said uh, even then to have worn human skin shoes at his inaugural ball in 1893. So I guess this wasn't as odd as we might think of it today. It was a little bit more of like a frontier justice kind of flex. Like I represent, I'm the law and order candidate. I mean, look, you just look at my shoes. They got nipples on them. They got they got outlaw nipples on my shoes. He didn't have the nipples. Remember, he's still mad oh, about that. Yeah, well, that's a bummer. But they okay. He, if if he had had his druthers, they would have had outlaw nipples mm-hmm. on the shoes. Um, how else are you going to know? Uh, later, uh, Osborne would actually become the assistant secretary of state under President Woodrow Wilson. So Ooh. a storied career in politics, despite being a bit of a Ed Gein kind of figure, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, uh, Mr. President. I know we've got a lot of stuff going on in the nation, but uh, have I ever told you about these shoes? And then Wilson, you know, just with acerbic wit, told him, well, if they're human skin, where are the nipples, buddy? Uh, Nipples on a breastplate. Remember that expression in Game of Thrones? (laughs) Yes, yes, I do. Uh, and and the debate regarding, oh, maybe it was the Schumacher Batman franchise. But yes, you're right. The shoes continue to play a role. And this means that in some way, Big Nose George's life was, or his his legacy was not what he had intended. We can only imagine. However, the story of his body doesn't end there. On May 11th, 1950, construction workers were doing some excavation to create a new building on Cedar Street. And then they found a whiskey barrel. And when they opened that whiskey barrel, they found it was filled with human bones. Later, they would learn this location was behind the building that served as Dr. McGee's office slash mad scientist lab for years and years before. And it was pretty clear based on the cadaverous contents of the barrel, uh, who they belonged to in life. There were numerous human bones, including, get this, a skull with the top sawed off. And just like the 200 people who had gathered around to watch Big George be hanged three times, a crowd gathers around to watch as this barrel of bones is retrieved. And that's when our former 15-year-old, who later becomes a physician, comes back into the story, which I did not expect. I know, it's a twist indeed. I mean, she's well into her 80s at this point, but still alive and well, uh, and uh, she gets contacted. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on-demand, temp-to-hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. 
With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonnevilles. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. But it, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Her husband brings the skull cap to the scene. And like Excalibur from the sword in the stone or a reverse kind of version of that. Uh, I can think of some other references in pop culture, but I'm uh, Cinderella. There you go. Boom. Glass slipper, baby. Uh, the skull cap fits perfectly. Uh, and they all live happily ever after. Sort of. Most uh, of them. The, yeah, exactly. Um, so at this point, the locals were convinced that these were in fact the remains of big nose George at the time. They didn't need any other proof, but then, um, then you had the magic of DNA testing coming into the picture and, and in fact, did verify that that is what these were. Yep. Today, you can uh, see the upper half of his skull and the shackles that were used while he was hanging in the collection of a railroad museum in Iowa, the Carbon County Museum. Because the people who discovered the bones immediately offered them to this museum in Rollins. Right now, we don't know what happened to the medical bag and we know that the coin purse was at one point or another, quote unquote, misplaced. They know it was the coin purse was once upon a time in the museum's collection because there was an, a gentleman who had worked at the museum for decades 
and knew that they had the coin purse at one point. The cataloging system wasn't probably super good. A lot of the people working there were volunteers, so maybe a little more likely to take a keepsake. Noel, the whole time I was reading this story, you know, I kept wondering what they used to make the coin purse and kept hoping it wasn't the obvious answer, for which coin purse is also a euphemism, but it very much was. Some of the people volunteering at the museum may have just thrown the coin purse away or purposely lost it because they felt inappropriate handling it because it was made out of George's scrotum. That part is true. Yeah. Gotta say though, not to be too, you know, gross about it, scrotum is a perfect material to make a coin purse out of. Right. The uh, shape is there. You it's know? really there. It, you it don't holds really have up. yeah, it holds up indeed. You don't really have to retrofit it too much, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, I know that's morbid, but so is the story, but d- delightfully so. Uh this is a fun amalgam of frontier justice and uh corpse desecration and just good old ingenuity you know making skull caps into ashtrays yeah it's it's very there's more than a tinge of cormac mccarthy's vision of the west here totally uh, yeah you can go see it today depending on how covid works out in vaccination you may even run into the museum's director kelly bohannon Bohannon has done a couple things to modernize the displays. One of those is that they've moved the human shoes uh, to an area behind like a partial wall so that if you're sensitive to seeing human remains in that way, you can avoid it. You won't just get like, (laughs) you won't just get surprised or pranked by this grisly keepsake And this brings us to another question that we've talked about on Ridiculous History a little, but even more so on on another show called Stuff They Don't Want You to Know. How do you properly deal with the remains of Mm -hmm. the dead? How do you deal with these folks who are outlaws? I mean, like, this was a big deal. If you ever saw the bodies exhibit when it came through the U.S., this was a big deal when people started asking about the provenance of those bodies that were used in those displays. Who were these people? What was their background? And how did they come to be used in in this display? Which admittedly is really cool, but also there are ethical questions involved in any museum curatorial process, right? Uh, Whether it's like, were these artifacts stolen from indigenous people perhaps, or from some culture that was looted and, and they actually belong with that culture, for example, or in that country. This is a different question. This is more a question of human dignity because I think we would all agree that whatever uh, big nose George's crimes may have been, however heinous, he probably didn't deserve to have his scrotum removed and turned into a coin purse. Yeah, exactly. And today, his skull's not on display, I don't believe, but you can you can see the shoes, and Bohannon tries to uh, see both sides of the issue. She's quoted in Atlas Obscura, you know, pointing out that, yes, he was a criminal. He killed two members of law enforcement, And Bohannon says maybe there's still some Wild West sentiment, the idea that because these folks are criminals, they don't deserve the posthumous dignity that other, you know, members of the law-abiding public would deserve. Uh, But then there are other people who would say, you know, they're shoes. They're made to look like shoes. They're worn as shoes. Therefore, they're shoes. And Bohannon says, well, the other side of that basically is imagine telling that to someone's, like, 
living relative, their mother, you know, their kid. That's some cold stuff to say. But, Noel, I think we have to confess, no judgment. There is a certain segment of the ridiculous historian population listening today and saying, guys, I got it. You've sold me. Where can I buy a pair of human skin shoes? Oh, Have man. you missed the point? Maybe a little. <laughs> You're, well, well, yeah. What, what, point aside, you are in luck because there is a. Uh, it's it's a really basic website. I'm almost borderline convinced it's not real, but it's a company called the Human Leather Company. Their their little uh, subtitle is Ultimate Bespoke Leather Products, um, and it looks like on the on the uh, the front page is a wallet a quite crusty looking wallet and they describe themselves in their about me section. We are a specialized leather products company and we only work to a very specific order book. In fact, we only craft a very limited number of pieces per year, depending on our stock of raw materials. Uh, we closed our order book a few years ago as our waiting list became too large for us to be able to service all our outstanding requests. We will soon, however, be opening our waiting list again to our exclusive clientele. So if you're interested in potentially yeah. Oh, it says, by the way, please keep your inboxes and your minds open. Um, you can drop them a line at info at humanleather.com. Need we say more? Human leather, apparently a pair of leather, human leather shoes from this company, though I see no price lists here, uh, run you about 27 grand. Well, this was back when, um, so this comes from an article on how stuff works, which I will point out is, is a fantastic fantastic uh, article by Jesslyn Shields. So it's possible that when Shields was working on this, the website was a little more open, but it's also possible that this uh, website may be a bit of a prank similar to uh, the, the Hufu website from years ago, which, which said it was selling human flavored tofu. I tried to order some and then I quickly learned that they got me. It wasn't wasn't a real thing. So uh, who knows? Who knows? Uh, one way to find out is to email that address info at humanleather.com and let us know. Let us know what you find. Should you feel so inclined? You know, no, I, I don't know what else they sell. I, I hope it's not coin purses. It looks like that. It's definitely a wallet. Uh, it definitely looks like a leather wallet of some sort in the one picture they have on the website. They have also set up a Bitcoin donation mm. payment. So jury's out on whether or not these folks are continuing the legacy of Osborne there. But here ends the tale, our first tale from Wyoming, the story of Big Nose George. All goes to show, man. The end of his life was kind of the beginning of his story in American culture, which is yeah. rough. It's weird how that works out sometimes. Um, but huge thanks to Gabe Luzier, uh, researcher extraordinaire for the uh, hot tip on the human leather company and big nose George. Um, that's it's a real interesting one. I, I would love to see this dramatized. At the very least, this feels like a uh, a very grisly entry into some sort of macabre Wild West anthology series. You know what I mean? Cohen brothers, I'm telling you, go Cohen and McCarthy. Mm -hmm. Get the band back together. I love it. And just have McCarthy write some vignettes in a new anthology. We'll call it the Dark Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Love it. Or the Ballad of Buster Scruggs After Dark. Also we'll good. Just 
call it Wild West Skinamax. That's too on the nose because of the shoes. Look, we're workshopping. On the nose? On the big nose? (laughs) That's too on the big nose. Thanks also, of course, to our super producer, Casey Pegram, our guest producer, Andrew Howard. Thanks to Christopher Hasiotis. And thanks to Eve's Jeffcoat, who, uh, Noel, I think we should have back on the show pretty soon. What do you say? Yes, I completely agree. Eve's is a delight. Please check out her show, This Day in History Class, which, uh, as the name implies, it is a daily history podcast uh, where each episode coincides with that calendar date and some cool historical thing that happened on that day in history. Also, uh, J.Ill, the podcast featuring the wonderful and talented Miss Jill Scott uh, that Eves also produces. Huge thanks to Alex Williams who composed our theme. Jonathan Strickland, the quizster. Uh, I think we're we're safe from him for a little while, but uh, you never know. The clock, the giant uh, grandfather clock is always ticking on that one. Yeah, we better scoot through this outro too before he finds out we're recording. So folks, uh, one serious question. How do you think Museums should handle pieces, artifacts that have a uh, controversial provenance, uh, whether that relates to human rights and dignity or whether that relates to things taken from another culture. Let us know. You can find us on the Internet. Uh, We like to recommend Ridiculous Historians on Facebook, but you can find us as individuals as well. You certainly can. You can find me at HowNowNoelBrown on Instagram, uh, where I pretty much uh, hang out exclusively. I've got a Twitter somewhere out there. I think I switched it to at HowNowNoelBrown on Twitter, but I don't really tweet. Ben, on the other hand, is a prolific tweeter and Instagrammer. Oh, thanks, Noel. (laughs) Importantly, prolific is not the same thing as good. Uh, You can find me at Ben Bullen HSW on Twitter, uh, where you'll see me mid-research on a lot of strange things. You can also find me at Ben Bullen, B-O-W-L-I-N, on Instagram. Noel, new goal in life, I propose. I want to speak for all of us on the show here. Human shoes? yeah, let's try not to be human shoes. Not to be human shoes. Okay, I, uh, I, I don't think I, I don't need that in my life. Uh, the human leather company can can go with God, but uh, count me out, sir. Yeah, human skin books is about as far as I would go, and it'd have to be a really good book. Or some kind of Necronomicon. Yeah. We'll see you next time, folks. <laughs> For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six X visit tomboyx.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, may could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. 
It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.